I'm happy to be back uh, for part two of our seminar. Um, I realized at the end of yesterday that um, two sessions is actually very short. <laughs> um, but uh, in any case, we make some 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 kind of introduction. And we'll see, maybe sometime in the future we can expand. So I will be begin with Mangala Charana. Oma Jnana Timarandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shigurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakadamahyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Paragamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatang Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatarine Vanchak Alpatarubhyascha Kripasindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Haripri Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare On this auspicious day of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur's Avir Bhava, uh, we are continuing the second part uh, of our discussion of Archana. And as Shivananda Shamprabhu said, we began yesterday with some initial discussion of our Vaishnava literature, which uh, we take as the basis for our uh, practices of Archana. And uh, we looked briefly at the Bhagavad Gita, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam Yome Bhaktya Prayachati, 
Uh, we discussed briefly about uh, the meditation, the guided meditation described uh, by Kapila Deva in the third canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, chapter 28. We also just barely touched on uh, the instruction of Lord Krishna to Uddhava in the 11th canto, um, chapter 27, where it was noted, we noted that uh, Krishna identifies three systems of worship, Vaidika, Tantrika, and Mishra, uh, the Vedic, the Tantric, and the mixed systems. And I suggested that uh, it seems that uh, Lord Krishna is teaching the mixed system in that chapter um, for various reasons, which I won't spend time on here. Um, and I suggested uh, one, let's say, vision of worship in the 10th canto in the pastime of Govardhan Puja uh, and also Krishna's lifting of Govardhan, creating thereby a uh, temple um, in which everyone could have constant darshan of the Lord. Um, I see there's a concern about volume. Is the volume okay now? Shivananda Shamprabhu? Oh, okay, Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, we mentioned also the Rasalila in the 10th canto of Bhagavatam, chapters 29 through 33, after all, it is said that uh, the gopis are the topmost devotees of the Lord, suggesting that they are the topmost worshippers of the Lord. And how do they worship the Lord? That is described in dramatic way uh, in these five chapters. Again, this could be a whole discussion in itself, um, but uh, we want to move on. And as I said yesterday, I want to say a bit about uh, worship, archana, represented in Chaitanya Charitamrita. We, first of all, uh, want to appreciate that Chaitanya Charitamrita is, in a certain way, a sequel, uh, a follow-up to uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam is describing the pastimes of the Lord in his many forms, culminating in his appearance as Svayam Bhagavan, Krishna Krishna. Uh, then that same Lord is appearing again as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his associates, the Panchatattva, uh, and so the Lord is reenacting his pastimes, but now he is in a different mood. And this different mood is that he is uh, the devotee of the Lord, the bhakta. 
and all of his associates are in this mood of devotion to the Lord, uh, service to the Lord. Uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita becomes, in many respects, an extended commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, bringing forth or bringing out in particular Srimati Radharani's mood of worship as embodied in Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Mahaprabhu becomes the ideal worshiper, uh, being uh, in the mood of Srimati Radharani, who is the best of, or the topmost, uh, the principal gopi, uh, Devi Krishnamayi Prokta Radhika Paradevata. Uh, she is the source of all expansions of gopis. So the gopis are the best worshippers of Krishna, uh, demonstrated in the rasa dance. And among these, the best is Srimati Radharani, who appears as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And what does Chaitanya Mahaprabhu do? He spends a lot of time in temples. He visits temples, and most especially he resides in Jagannath Puri Dham, and... Uh, he frequents, the. he comes to the temple of Lord Jagannath every day over so many years. He celebrates the Jagannath Ratayatra with his friends, with his associates. And in his pastimes in relation to deities, we may say there is a convergence of the two uh, principal moods, the, the, the mood of Aishvarya and the mood or the bhava of Madhurya. These come together, they converge uh, in Mahaprabhu's interaction uh, with the Lord in his deity form. And I would say this is uh, most pointedly manifest or expressed in the one prayer which Krishnadas Kaviraj tells us Mahaprabhu would chant or sing during the Ratayatra, Naham vipro na cha narapatir na pivaisho na shudro Naham varni na cha gyapatir novanasto yatirva Kintu prodhyanikila paramahananda purnamrita abdir Gopi Bhartu Parakamala Yor Dasa Dasa Anudasa. So in the first half of this verse, he is denying uh, the identity with any of the um, any of the varnas or ashramas. So he's putting aside uh, the the formal understanding of dharma he's setting it aside he's not he's not rejecting it but he's saying i am not i myself as eternal uh, person as devotee now he's in the mood of a devotee i am not any of these things so then what are you 
That he explains in the second half of the verse. Uh, with the last line, the, the punch line, Gopi Bhartu Padakamalayor Dasa Dasa Anudasa. I'm the servant of the servant, several times removed uh, of the master of the gopis. Uh, meaning that he is pointing out to us, he's connecting, he's calling our attention to where we, how we want to be engaged, in what mood we want to be engaged in service. Uh, now, I hasten to add, and we will get back to this, coming, connecting this with our own situation within the institution Srila Prabhupada established, ISKCON, and the many instructions Srila Prabhupada gave on uh, worship of Krishna in his murti form, his archa form, uh, that Prabhupada uh, would say that we worship Krishna, uh, Radha Krishna, in the mood of Lakshmi Narayana. If you think about it, this is a very intriguing statement because um, one might then ask, well, but Srila Prabhupada, you gave us Radha Krishna deities, you didn't give us Lakshmi Narayan deities. If we're supposed to worship them in the mood of Lakshmi Narayan, why don't we have deities Lakshmi Narayan instead of Radha Krishna? So, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting question. Prabhupada gave us Radha Krishna. He gave us the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, which is direct service to Krishna. The worship of the deity is direct uh, worship of Krishna in a specific understanding of direct, that is, by the grace of uh, Guru we worship. Uh, so there is, uh, there's a paradox. And that paradox is not something to be uh, resolved into either side of the paradox. It's a paradox to be appreciated and sustained, to be held up and accepted as um, a kind of achintya-beda-abeda tattva, if you like. The Chaitanya Charitamrita is, in uh, in this respect, with regard to Archa, different from the Bhagavatam, uh, because Archana is much more prominent. Uh, there is considerable reference to deities in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu visits, as we said yesterday, so many different uh, temples, but then spends so many years in Puri visiting uh, the Jagannath temple uh, and serving the Lord in that form. Um, with the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we have, a, uh, uh, how to say, uh, we're we have a description of a period of time which is much closer to us. Prabhupada once said, within the memory of us all, 
Mahaprabhu appeared some 500 years ago uh, or more. And so uh, it is describing a period of time which hmm, has historical um, relevance or immediacy in a way which is we don't find in the Bhagavatam. Um, and what I mean by this is that in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, among other indications of historical um, historical goings on, if you like, uh, there are indications of what we may call religio-political instability. And what I mean by that is specifically in Vrindavan, when uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is visiting Vrindavan for the short time that he did, um, during that time he uh, was, uh, it was possible for him to have darshan of the deity which is otherwise hidden. And here is the point uh, that deities were being moved out of Vrindavan because of this uh, political and religious, we can say, instability so that several deities left Vrindavan eventually. So there's some indication of these uh, goings-on in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Again, more could be said about uh, Archana in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. We may get back to it, but uh, let's move on now to Hari Bhakti Vilasa. Um, so one thing to say about the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is that this belongs to a, a genre, a type of literature which is found uh, in Sanskrit uh, as a collection from many sources. Uh, the collection was made by Srila Sanatan Goswami, as Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur has said. Uh, there is a bit of controversy, controversy about this. It can very well be the case that Srila Gopal Bhatta Goswami was involved in the collecting of these uh, sources, and some claim that he is, but uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami is the actual author. We have it now from just very recently uh, one devotee scholar, Brigupada Prabhu, who is a uh, professor of religion and especially uh, Indian religion in. Uh, Turku in Finland. Since several years, he has been working on a trans. He has been translating the Hari Bhakti Vilasa into English, 
And you may say, oh, but we already have an English translation uh, that's been done, I think, by uh, Bhumi Bhati Prabhu in five volumes. Uh, yes, there is that translation, but uh, that translation is a translation from a Bengali translation, apparently, and it does not include the commentary. Uh, the one that Brigupada is doing is from the original and it is with the commentary. And very importantly, it is uh, based not on one manuscript of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, it is based on no less than 100 manuscripts. And what that means is that he is able to, uh, to see variances. Uh, when you get many manuscripts of a work, you, you'll find differences. That's another subject. We won't go into that here. Um, but he is um, making what's called a critical edition of the Hari Bhakti Vilas. So this will become a highly authoritative version of the text. And he has determined, uh, he has told me just recently, by very careful study of these manuscripts, that indeed uh, the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is from Srila Sanatana Goswami. In any case, uh, the genre, the general uh, category that this may go into is Smriti. Uh, Smriti, of course, is contrasted with Shruti, but here Smriti has a more specific sense of uh, texts which are giving regulations, vidhi and nishedha, rules, uh, things to be done, practices to be observed for specific purposes. And typically, this sort of text is uh, what is being followed by uh, a, a certain, you can say, class of people called smartas. Smarta Brahmins, we typically speak very negatively about. Uh, why? Because, well, they may tend also to be uh, in philosophical terms, leaning toward or, or embracing mayavada, whether or not they know it, some sort of impersonalism, uh, because they tend to follow uh, five, the worship of five uh, different deities, Panchopasana. So, uh, the Hari Bhakti Vitlasa, from my own admittedly limited study, but I did a fairly careful study of, of the work, uh, especially in the first year of my doctoral research, what uh, it came to, became more clear to me is that the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is, um, it's, <laughs> one way to say it is, it's Panchopasana minus Chatur Opasana. 
it's removing the worship of four deities and leaving the worship of Vishnu or Narayana uh, as, as the single deity to be worshipped. And one of the interesting features of the Hari Bhakti Lasa is not only what is present, but what is absent in the Hari Bhakti Lasa. So we do not find any, uh, practically speaking, mention of the worship of Sri Radhika, Shimati Radharani. Um, and worship of Krishna explicitly is also rather minimal, although it is expanded, especially in uh, reference to uh, practices for the month of Kartik, in which uh, the Damodarashtaka prayers are given with a detailed commentary to each of the verses by um, by the commentator who is generally identified as uh, Srila Sanatan Goswami or some say possibly one of his followers, one of his disciples. In any case, Hari Bhakti Vilasa is um, very much about details of worship. Uh, it consists of 20 adhyayas or chapters and uh, this has been I uh, divided, at least in later publications, whether in original or in earlier manuscripts, I don't know, but it's been divided into 140 main topics. And in my own uh, research on this book, I saw that it, I, it refers to, or it quotes, more than 100 sources. Now, initially, it looked like there were some more than 200 sources, but then it became apparent to me that um, many of these sources were giving two different names for the same text. One of the sources, which is quoted... Uh, quite a lot in the second chapter is the highest shirsha pancharatra. Second chapter, and if I remember correctly, also the 19th chapter. The second chapter of Hari Bhakti Vilasa deals with initiation. Initiation is very important uh, according to Hari Bhakti Vilasa. Why? Because it is completion of uh, what is considered otherwise incomplete. Our, our physical birth is seen as a kind of incomplete birth, which becomes completed by initiation. So chapter 2 deals with initiation, and interestingly, it gives three different procedures. One procedure is extremely elaborate, 
Uh, it's a process that takes, as I remember, more than one day. Uh, a second procedure is less elaborate, takes place in one day. And a third procedure is, again, more simple. Uh, so different degrees of elaboration in the rituals are given. And in the most elaborate one, it's interesting uh, that one of the elements of the initiation is that the initiate receives abhisheka. <laughs> the initiate stands, I don't know if he stands or sits, and water and milk and yogurt and ghee and all the different substances are poured over the top of his head. Uh, and this is done by the guru and it's understood that also the devas are coming and they are assisting. So it's a kind of worship also of the new initiate. So And uh, it, it's a transformation, of course. And this idea of transformation uh, we get in uh, the famous verse, yata kanchanatam yati kangsyam rasavidhanata. Rasavidanata uh, is translated as alchemy. Tata diksha vidanena dvijatvam jayate nrinam. The dvijatva, the second birthness, so to say, of the initiate occurs, it comes about jayate. <clears throat> by this process of diksha, diksha-vidana. The transformation is, the idea is that one becomes, in effect, um, what's the word I want? One becomes divinized. One is, it's understood, one is becoming similar in quality to the Lord. And that is then reenacted every day when we perform uh, archana. Uh, in the beginning of the archana, one of the processes is bhuta shuddhi. Bhuta shuddhi is a process of meditation in which the body becomes completely. Uh, purified inside and out, so that one becomes, in a, in a sense, qualitatively equal to the Lord whom one is uh, worshiping. Without being qualitatively one with the Lord, one cannot approach the Lord. This is uh, the basic idea. Um, Initiation is very important in Hari Bhakti Lhasa uh, and Prana Pratishta, jumping now to the 19th chapter out of the 20 chapters, uh, there is a very detailed description of initiation. And initiation and Prana Pratishta, the installation, we say, of a deity, have a lot in common. 
they have much in common. And we can say that, in a sense, both of these, now let's speak specifically of pranapratishta, is an extremely elaborate worship of the Lord. It is bringing, you could say, the whole world to worship the Lord, um, following an elaborate process of purifying the matter, the physical matter of the of the the image, the murti, the deity. So all of that is described in uh, Hari Bhakti Vilasa. There are several chapters uh, dealing with daily worship in the first half of the book. And in the second half of the book, there are several chapters dealing with festivals. Uh, the descriptions of festivals are generally rather brief. The most uh, extensive description f among festivals is given for Janmashtami. And uh, this is interesting um, historically, perhaps, because there is a, one mm, text that was written by Srila Rupa Goswami called uh, Sri Jan, Janmashtami Titi Vidhi. Sri Krishna Janmashtami Titi Vidhi. Uh, it's a text which is just uh, a few folios long. Uh, it's, it's just a few pages. Uh, I've seen it in the uh, Vrindavan Research Institute in Vrindavan, beautiful handwriting of Srila Rupa Goswami in Bengali script. Uh, and it is an interesting, perhaps, uh, indication also of the concern that uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami and the other Goswamis had that Janmashtami be celebrated elaborately. But I think it also points to an interesting uh, point related to the installation of uh, the Radharam, Radharaman deity in Vrindavan. I'm sure uh, most or all of you know the story of the appearance of Radharaman to Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And uh, the account is given by later Radharaman Goswamis that uh, immediately after Radharaman appeared, of course, all the Goswamis who were present in Vrindavan were very excited and they were very happy, especially they were happy for Gopal Bhatta Goswami uh, because he had been longing for his, so to say, own form of the Lord to worship. And so the Lord reciprocated in this way with him appearing. And one may say, so he, he is Svayam, manifest, self-manifest deity, there would be no need to have any sort of 
formal prana pratishta because he is already present. Well, we can agree with that uh, argument, but the history we are told is that the Goswamis, Rupa Goswami, at that time wrote this Sri Krishna Janmatiti Vidhi uh, text, and then uh, they followed his text in their performance of the installation ceremony for Radharaman. They made a formal pranapratishta performance for his installation. So there's a kind of special connection uh, <laughs> of uh, Radharaman and the celebration of Janmashtami, and they do celebrate Janmashtami in a wonderful way in the Radharaman temple. Uh, and they're unusual with respect to other temples in Vrindavan because they have their Abhishek beginning in the late morning uh, with uh, going into the early afternoon with a lot of milk uh, for the Abhishek. And then immediately after this, they uh, distribute the Charanamrita. And the idea is that Radharaman is especially merciful. Uh, no need to fast until midnight in the worship of Radharaman after his Abhishek, and then uh, his Charanamrita is distributed. Perhaps after that, some devotees go ahead and take prasad. I don't know. Okay, uh, I want to say something more now about Pancharatra in general. One thing you may have noticed, I said that Hari Bhaktivilasa refers to Hayashirsha Pancharatra in the second chapter and I believe also 19th chapter. Um, okay, so what does that mean for us? Because we understand that we follow Pancharatra. So what is Pancharatra? And what are all these other texts that are referred to uh, in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa? Well, let's see what is Pancharatra, first of all. Pancharatra is a, we can say, a genre of texts. Uh, it is identified with what has been called by historians a kind of movement in ancient India, uh, a, you can say, a, a trend, uh, a philosophical trend, which produced several texts. Uh, different numbers are given. Uh, they say 108 Pancharatra uh, Samhitas or Agamas are, are there. Uh, one may ask how many of these are accessible, are available today. And the last that I read, and this is some years ago, um, some 70 texts have been found, recovered, or um, some have been maintained or kept and, and followed uh, over, over many centuries in particular temples. 
Um, and some say there are more than 108 texts, but uh, among these, there are a few which may be considered especially important, uh, and these texts, some of them are listed, uh, you can find in Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, you can find uh, the Agastya Samhita, the Ahirbudnya Sanghita, and then in uh, one of the temples uh, in Sri Rangam, they follow the Parameshvara Samhita. In Kanchipuram at the Varadaraj temple, they follow the Jayakya Samhita. There's also a Padma Samhita. Uh, I mentioned the Ahirbudnya uh, Samhita, which uh, there's a, a scholarly work um, which mm, gives some discussion about this text that was written mm, several decades ago, uh, I think uh, mid-20th century. Uh, there's also one text called the Lakshmi Tantra, which seems to be a kind of bridge uh, crossing over between uh, the Vaishnava uh, Pancharatrika tradition and possibly the Shakta Tantra tradition. But in any case, I haven't studied it, but there is an English translation. Uh, one of my professors uh, wrote a translation of this text. And what what I find interesting is that in both the Ahirbudnya Samhita and the Lakshmi Tantra, we find uh, one verse uh, the same in each of these. And this is uh, the, we may call the Sharanagati verse, Anukulyena Sankalpya, Sankalpa Pratikulyasya Varjanam Rakshishya Titi Vishvaso Bhoktritve Varanangtata Atmanik Shepakarpanye Shadvidha Sharanagati. These six principal aspects of uh, surrender are found in these two texts. So this is this is actually a pancharatric uh, practice to surrender to the Lord <laughs> is pancharatra. <laughs> Uh, of course, it's also Bhagavata. The, the Bhagavata tradition uh, is teaching us, uh, if it's not teaching us surrender to the Lord, what is it teaching? Mm. Okay. Um, what is the Pancharatra about? Is it, someone may ask, is it Vedic? Or is it not Vedic? There's a controversy. Uh, uh, Sri Yamuna Acharya wrote an entire book defending Pancharatra against those who say that Pancharatra is non-Vedic. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, Pancharatra, uh, what is it called? Uh, um, Agama Pramanya. 
I believe it's called, uh, defending, that um, arguing in great uh, detail. I wrote an article about this many years ago, ar arguing in detail why it is that Pancharatra is Vedic, that it is a branch of Veda which uh, became avyakta, which became unmanifest. Uh, but Pancharatra is, he explains, particularly meant for practice of Vedic culture in the age of Kali. To make practice in the age of Kali possible, to practice Krishna consciousness, to make it possible, the question is, how do we access the Lord? How do we connect with the Lord? And the answer is, first of all, an elaborate, um, an elaborate elaboration on how the Lord expands himself in five features. And by this, I don't mean the panchatattva, but rather a, a descending, a kind of descending process. I noted this somewhere. In any case, uh, a descending process from para, the Supreme Lord, in Vaikuntha, expanding himself to vyuha, uh, the four forms, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, Aniruddha, expanding himself again as vibhava, which translates into avatara. We can say avatar is a specific function of the vibhava expansions. Expanding himself again as antaryami, as the Lord who literally is the goer in the heart, he who goes, <clears throat> yamin, uh, antar, within. And finally, who expands himself as archa, archa avatar. Of these five forms, the most accessible is, of course, archa. And someone may say, oh, so he is the most accessible, but he is um, perhaps uh, the least present. To which the answer is no, in fact, just the opposite. The Lord is most fully present in his archavigraha. Uh, he is, you can say, cumulatively present in the archavigraha form. Now, I'm just going to pause for a moment to check um, because I was told. No, I don't see any hand up. Okay. I was told we will have a, shall we say, surprise guest who wants to uh, speak something for a brief moment. Um, an honored guest, but I don't see indication of him being here yet. Um, 
Maybe I should move the screens to where I will see it. Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Ah, there you are. Hare Krishna. <laughs> thank you very much. I came just to thank you for uh, taking this wonderful sessions and uh, give you the good news. We are planning our first uh, seminar in uh, April. Acha. On uh, all the discussions and we will be advertising it very soon. Uh -huh. and, uh, if you are planning a trip to India, then, uh, you know, I want to welcome you and stay at Gordhani Kogulaj and write <laughs> books and, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks to all the participants also who participated. And I hope that we, we are beginning a new uh, you know, journey in uh, giving uh, lessons on uh, deity worship and the importance of deity worship. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Bhav. Hare Krishna. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this... Um, this internet technology has its its good side. Uh, we can uh, make such connections like this sort of instantaneously, so that's nice. Um, yeah, I, whether I will be coming to India in April, okay, um, everything is possible, but truth be told, at this stage, uh, I cannot make such plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so continuing, continuing to speak about uh, Pancharatra, um, we're speaking about accessibility of the Lord, that he is coming to us and making himself present. Uh, if we can turn off someone's microphone. Yes, thank you. Um, so the Lord is present. He is present in the deity form, which means he is present in the temple. He's always there, uh, ready to receive our, our service. That is one of the important ideas of Pancharatra. Then is the question, all right, the Lord is present in his deity form, so how do I worship him? How do I approach him? Because we also understand, and this is uh, quoted by Srila Rupa Goswami, Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabavet Grahyam Indriyai. Lord Sri Krishna, his, <clears throat> his name, etc., Nabavet Grahyam Indriyai, they cannot be accessed by the senses. So what to do? Shall we pack up and go home and forget it all? No. Sevan muke, seva unmuke, beginning, uh, seva begins, uh, he specifically, jiva adao, beginning with the tongue. Svayam eva spurati adha. We can directly access the Lord through the tongue. And you may say, well, uh, the first half of the verse says we cannot access with the senses, and one of the senses is the tongue. <laughs> and then it says, no, you can access 
But what is the medium of access? The medium is seva. And here is a crucial point for Archana for us to understand. There are two terms. One is puja, and the other is seva. And we use both terms. So what is the difference? I would put it this way. Uh, puja is a specific engagement in worship, but it is generally associated with motivated worship. I worship the Lord, or I worship one of the devata, one of the divinities, with a specific uh, desire, kamana, with some desire for uh, a reward for myself. Um, and actually, Hari Bhaktivilasa is giving reference to that kind of worship, especially in uh, the sections on, uh, on festivals, utsava. So, for example, um, it's recommended if, if a family, if, sorry, if a husband and wife are desirous of a child uh, and they are not getting a child, then they should worship the Lord on Janmashtami Titi because that is a day when we celebrate the appearance of Lord Krishna as as the child of uh, Vasudevan Devaki. So that kind of worship is puja. But then there is seva, and seva, we, we know it means service, but what kind of service? Ongoing service. Service which is, I like to use the word attending, we are attending the Lord. And the English word attending is related to attention. So we also are focusing our attention on the Lord and the desires of the Lord. What does the Lord desire from me? Let me fulfill that. Let me bring that desire of the Lord. Let me serve the Lord with that. Another feature of Pancharatra, because it is about expansion of the Lord in such ways that he becomes accessible to us, It's understood that this process of then connecting with and worshiping the Lord is a kind of reversal or a kind of inversion. So the Lord is expanding. He's coming down uh, from Vaikuntha and um, appearing in so many forms and especially for us in so many archa murtis. And then we encounter the Lord 
with our senses, seva unmukhe jifa dao, and then by focusing attention on the Lord, we are withdrawing our attention from everything else. Uh, and of course, Krishna is speaking about this also in Bhagavad Gita. This is the practice of yoga, um, but it is yoga of attention. Manmana bhavamad bhakto madhyaji mam namaskaru. Krishna is describing this process. Focusing the attention, it's a kind of withdrawal of our attention. Um, uh, pratyahara, we can say, from the world and then directing the attention to the Lord and in this way leading us beyond the world uh, and that becomes the perfection of, of Pancharatra. Okay, so this, uh, we can say, is Pancharatra in a nutshell. And uh, now, maybe I should pause for a moment to see if there's any burning question on what we've talked about so far. Otherwise, I'll proceed. Hmm. Oh, somebody just sent... Oh, Deva Shiradika. Okay. In Purport to Teachings of Queen Kunti, we find that Srila Prabhupada mentions how Krishna manifests as Archavigraha, as the most accessible, to give opportunities to the less intelligent, Dvija, Bandhu, etc., to worship him. His Holiness Sachinandan Swami in his Gayatri book describes how deity worship is the best way to manifest oops, uh, best way to manifest or rediscover our relationship with Krishna. However, as you quoted, Srila Prabhupada states that unless we develop pure love toward the Lord, we may be worshipping their lordships in the form of Shishi Lakshmi Narayan. Deity worship, therefore, is a very important and elevated devotional service. When we are prone to committing so many mistakes and that we are only in the beginning of realizing our relationship and perhaps our worship is not imbued with love, should we first await invocation of love or state? Or does the process, despite our offenses, gradually purify us, just like the chanting of the holy name? Yeah, very, <laughs> very nice question. And I would say yes. <laughs> uh, yes, it is a process of purifying like the holy name. Uh, yesterday you were uh, you missed our session, but I I mentioned that Srila Prabhupada installed Lord Jagannath in um, New Jagannath Puri in San Francisco in a very simple way for devotees who, um, by no stretch of the imagination, were 
advanced in their practice of Krishna consciousness, except in their sincerity. They, there were very sincere devotees, and Srila Prabhupada saw that sincerity and reciprocated with it by giving them Krishna in the form of Lord Jagannath, uh, and then gave them very simple, simple instructions how to worship Lord Jagannath. Gradually, gradually, he gave more instructions. He introduced um, in uh, installing of deities in other temples. Uh, and in 1968 uh, was the, actually not the first time, he gave Brahman initiations, second initiation in uh uh, in India, apparently, uh, to Kirtanananda. Uh, I don't know if he was Swami yet at that time. I think so. And then um, Achutananda. Not Achutananda. Achutananda. Um, and then, then in Boston in 1968, Srila Prabhupada gave... Um, we say Brahman initiation, second initiation, Pancharatrika, uh, with also the Brahma Gayatri. Uh, in Boston, he gave to several devotees with the idea that they will uh, begin uh, worship, and this worship means uh, deity worship. Uh, and so... Um, and several times Srila Prabhupada would, would, would say that uh, deity worship is a process for us to develop our Krishna consciousness. He sometimes would use the word neophyte. It is for neophyte. Um, and also, indeed, in the 11th Canto Bhagavatam, where we have the th- the threefold typology of um, less advanced, more advanced, most advanced devotees, uh, archayan eva haraye pujanya shraddhaye hate. Um, the, the lower level is um, identified as the devotee who worships the deity, archayam, but does not appreciate, does not recognize, does not uh, serve, does not recognize that the Lord is also present in the devotees, in the Vaishnavas. He or she is thinking, Krishna is present in the deity. That's very nice. Uh, Worshipping with faith, very good. But um, there... In the eleventh canto, it's saying that that's actually the and Prabhupada would use in this connection that the word neophyte. That is the neophyte position. Think thinking the Lord is present only in the deity. Uh, that would be the neophyte position. In any case, so the process is yes. Start from in effect day one. And now someone may say, but I can't worship the deity because I don't have 
the second initiation with Pancharatra. That's all right. You do have the Maha Mantra, and you worship the Lord by chanting the Maha Mantra in front of the deity. Either you may not have your personal deity, but you have uh, the temple deity. You go in the temple, you join the devotees, you engage in kirtan with the devotees, hearing this is all part of Pancharatra as well. And Srila Jiva Goswami explains in Bhakti Sandarbha that uh, the whole process of archana, to make it complete, must begin with and conclude with the chanting of Nam, of the Lord's name. So we are uh, doing both. We are, as you said, um, all, do we begin chanting even though we are not purified to chant the pure name? Answer, yes. Do we begin worshiping the Lord even though we are not purified to worship the Lord in the deity form? Yes. Um, I hope that gives a bit of answer. <laughs> and Revati Pati Prabhu is asking, you mentioned that installation of deities is very similar to initiation, so we find that deities at temples, uh, at the temple, are installed as per scriptural injunctions in a detailed way. Um, but the deities which the devotees worship at home are often not installed in the same way as in the temple. What is the status of such deity worship at home? What are the standards? And <laughs> here we go. <laughs> what are the standards? And how it leads to purification. Uh, these days we see a lot of congregation devotees having many deities at their homes, but following varying standards. Indeed. <laughs> You've just opened Pandora's box. First point to make is that... Mm, because some devo sometimes devotees uh, who have deities at home say, oh, my deities are not installed. And the idea, the understanding is, because they're not installed, therefore I don't have to actually worship them. I just kind of have them, or I worship them now and then, or whatever. Um, so they'll say they're not installed. Um, and again, I want to quote um, my godbrother, Gorakeshava Prabhu. If they're not installed, that means they're not there. It means you're worshiping um, someone who is not there. So in other words, installation may be formal or it may be informal. Or somewhere in between. Uh, and devotees ask me sometimes, they 
uh, ask f- for blessings, t- and one should not that we, you know, purchase some deities and have them in our home, and then we tell our guru, "Oh, and now I have Krishna in my home." Um, no, it's it's the other way around. We ask. We may ask the guru for blessings to worship the Lord in deity form. And if he, or let me be a little controversial, she, if he or she gives blessings, uh, then uh, we, may, uh, we may have the, the deity. And then we may do, and here is my point, is devotees ask me, what shall I do for installation? And I suggest doing a very simple installation. They can uh, invite devotees. They can have a simple abhisheka of the deities. It's nice, of course, to do uh, pancha abhisheka with the five ingredients, uh, and to have kirtan during the Abhishek, to have some kata, some discussion, some reading, uh, and this may be before the Abhishek or after, but it can be also done during while the deities are being uh, dried and then dressed uh, and so on and decorated. And then there can be a nice boga offering uh, with kirtan and then a feast with the devotees. That can be a nice way of having an installation. But as part of that installation, I recommend having prepared in advance, possibly after discussion with more experienced devotees, um, to have written out uh, a prayoga, a pra- procedure. What are the uh, particular practices that I am going to do in my worship? Whatever they will be, whatever I take as practically possible for me with my family situation, with my work situation. What will I do when I need to make adjustments to the schedule? Um, because adjust because schedules uh, in families can can change. How am I going to make those adjustments and so on? Having all of that, then we can say that worship can be as fully potent as worship in the temple. I also mentioned yesterday that one may be doing a quite minimal worship in the home because of um, so many other duties. Uh, One thing I didn't say that I should have said is we want to understand in the spirit of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur that we are inviting the Lord into our home. He is, uh, he is treated as an honored guest, unlike in the temple where he is treated as the king. 
or Radha and Krishna as king and queen. And that's where the idea of Lakshmi Narayan, uh, Aishvarya Bhava comes back in. In the temple, sorry, in the, in the home, the Lord is the honored, the very honored, the most honored guest. But he is a permanent guest. But as a guest, he does not make demands in the same way as the king in his palace does. He does not demand that uh, the offerings be all at exactly the same time. He does not demand to have his lunch at an exact certain time. Um, but he does want to have lunch, <laughs> uh, and we are cooking because we are having lunch, so we're happy uh, that we have our honored guests that we offer him first, and so on. But what I said also yesterday is that one can regard the Lord in one's home as an expansion of the deity in the temple of the particular temple that you are associated with. So that you can understand that your Lord in your home is also being worshipped in the temple and there the Lord is receiving the full worship or hopefully is receiving the full worship, which you are then extending or adding something to um, in your uh, limited way according to your capacity in your home. As for varying standards, that has to be expected because varying standards or varying um, home necessities and routines are there. Now, some things may be recommended, may be advised. Uh, the temple may want to, let us say, for example, the uh, Iskan Pune uh, for their congregation. You may want to work out a prayoga which could be followed uh, by most devotees in the congregation. Now, this is something which we attempted to do in the Pancharatra Pradipa. Um, as I said, in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, there are three different um, degrees of elaboration for uh, initiation. So from this, we got the idea to have three different degrees of elaborateness in worship uh, in the Pancharatra Pradipa with the idea that then individual temples and also individuals at home can draw from this book, the Pancharatra Pradipa, and write out your own prayoga as will be practicable uh, for your situation. 
because we realize that to try to make one single standard for everyone, everywhere, for all time, is not going to be realistic. Uh, much more realistic, and we feel more inclusive for everyone uh, in an in a mission, in Srila Prabhupada's mission, spreading all over the world to every town and village. Uh, we want to make also deity worship accessible for everyone, and therefore we conceived in this way. So I hope that helps. Um, Rukmini Vallabha Prabhu has written, does hearing and chanting done at sadhaka level, in a particular way, at a particular time as taught by the spiritual master, such as the morning program, also come under pancharatra, and does hearing and chanting done spontaneously only come under Bhagavata Vidhi? I would say that uh, here we don't want to get overly distracted by terminology um, because our system is a combination of both. And I mentioned yesterday that the Bhagavata Purana, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is actually inclusive of both uh, Bhagavata and Pancharatra. And as far as my research went, which was admittedly um, limited, these terms, Bhagavata Marga and Pancharatrika Marga, uh, first appear in the uh, teachings of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Now they may also be there in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's writings, I'm, uh, I, I don't know. It's quite possible. But uh, to my knowledge, it's not explicitly talked about by our earlier acharyas quite in these terms. So I think what's important for us to understand is that we really from day one <laughs> as soon as as soon as we start chanting Hare Krishna, we're certainly engaged in Bhagavata Marga, and simultaneously, because we accept uh, the deity form of the Lord, and we we chant we chant before the deity form of the Lord, we can say that is Pancharatra. Um, so this is this is my very limited understanding. Um, spontaneous. Well, what I wanted to say also, Bhagavata Marga. What I sensed, or from what I understand from Shilabhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he's emphasizing that Bhagavata Marga emphasizes Shravanam Kirtanam and Pancharatra emphasizes or we can say Shravanam Kirtanam Smaranam and Pancharatra emphasizes 
the other, the remaining uh, six items or five items, because Atmani Vedana is certainly also there in Bhagavata Marga. Um, but also Bhagavata Marga, we understand, emphasizes uh, preaching, the going out and approaching others as um, as a form as a form of sadhana, as a form of practice, as as integral to Navavida Bhakti. Embodied in particular, of course, in uh, the the person of Prahlad Maharaj. So that's how I that's how I would see it. Uh, and I would I would hesitate to say, well, we're gonna chant in Pancharatra here and chant, but then when we become uh, when we come to raga uh, level of chanting, then it's no longer Pancharatra. I would be very hesitant to say that. In fact, the other way around, uh, and there may not be so much time to get into this, but one of the sort of key points that I make in my book, Attending Krishna's Image, is that um, within Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti, there is also Raga. And within Raga Bhakti, there is also Vidhi. Uh, they may be in differing degrees, but they're both present. And how they're present, uh, I can give one illustration, uh, which can be found <clears throat> in my book. Um, in the practice at the Radharaman temple, and I explained yesterday, Srila Prabhupada instructed Narutamananda Prabhu to study the practice of deity worship at the Radharaman temple. Prabhupada lived in Vrindavan uh, for some years in the 1950s. He lived at the Radhadamadar temple, but before he lived at the Radhadamadar temple, he lived at the, uh, what is it called, the Vamshi Gopal temple. Uh, which is uh, just very close to the Radharaman temple. And he used to visit the Radharaman temple, according to one of the um, very senior Goswamis of Radharaman, whom, who may have passed away by now. He used to visit him uh, every day on his way to visit Radharaman. So Prabhupada appreciated the worship at Radharaman temple. And in the Radharaman temple, they have quite detailed instruction in their prayoga, which is a very short prayoga. It's only eight pages of handwritten text, uh, which I was able to get a hold of. But they give quite detailed uh, instruction on how to pl <clears throat> play excuse me, all the different preparations before Radharaman for the uh, Rajbog offering. And then the Pujari, here's my point, uh, the Pujari is instructed 
to chant three verses from Srila Rupa Goswami's Padyavali. Now, I want to give you the translation of those three verses. Uh, uh, in, you can find them in the Padyavali uh, verses 116 through 118. Um, and uh, I think uh, they give them in reverse order. O enemy of Mura, Krishna, that love which is invested in the food offered by Vidura to you, in the things offered by Kunti, which is contained in the food offered by the residents of Raja on top of Govardhan, which is in the flat rice offered by Sudama, which is in the breast milk of Yashoda, which is in the 56-item offering of Bharadvaj Muni, which is in the offering of berries by the tribal woman, which is in the nectar of the Vraja milkmaid's lips, which is in the food offered by the wives of the Yajnik Brahmins. Kindly imbue my offering to you with such love. That's the first verse. The second one, O enemy of Mura, as you found pleasure in the devotion of the Brahmins' wives, in the delicacies offered by Vidura, in the milk of Raja's cows, in the offering found in the open fist of your friend Sudama, in the breast of Yashoda, in the nectar offered by the girls of Braja. So may you be pleased with this gift. And the final verse. May the pleasure you find in the milk offered by Shamala, the sweets offered by Kamala, the laddu offered by Badra, and the nectar offered by Sumaba, that's Chandravali, be had by you a hundredfold in my offering placed before you, prepared under the order of Radha. So if you think about the contents of these prayers and how they relate to um, how they're expressing the bhava of devotion, of pure, uh, pure devotion, of the intimate associates of Krishna, how they're offering, the, the devotee here who is um, making a formal offering to Radharaman following vidhi, in that vidhi, he is making this prayer. Please make this offering of mine, which is just being made by me and by perhaps the, uh, someone else has done the cooking. Please accept it in this way. So by, by making an offering like that, by thinking of that mood, one is being invited to imbibe that mood. 
ones uh, we are being invited to uh, ultimately to take on that mood. Please accept this offering of mine because I have this I have such a desire that you accept it in such a way as all these associates of the of the Lord. So that's why I make this argument in my book that we find it's not so cut and dried to say this is Vaidhi Sadhana and this is uh, Raga Anuga Sadhana. There's there's uh, there's feeling in both and there's regulation in both. Well, that's a big topic, and that's why I wrote a whole book about it, which uh, you're all welcome to uh, acquire and and read. Well, we're getting more questions here, so I'll continue with these. Seva Prabhu asks, In Sri Sampradaya and Madhva Sampradaya also, in Shankara Sampradaya, whenever... They appoint the new pontiff, Abhishekam is done on him, as he, as you have mentioned. They keep the main Utsava deity in uh, Sahasradhara. That is, uh, they place this on his head, uh, or do Abhishek to the deity which flows over him. Oh, just uh, explaining, that's interesting, yes. Yeah, the idea of Abhishek, of course, it comes from the verbal root cinch, which means to um, to sprinkle. And then it comes to, then with Abhisheka, uh, we are pouring, not just sprinkling. And uh, this is also done for the installation of a king in traditional... Uh, we say Vedic society, uh, this would be done because uh, it is a bringing together of all of the elements of the world. Everything auspicious is, um, is touching the body of the uh, personage who is receiving the Abhishek and in this way making that form auspicious. And that's why in a full Abhishek, uh, there will also be Abhishek, uh, Ratna Abhishek. There will be Abhishek with all the different uh, substances, all the different rivers, uh, with, uh, with earth also, uh, with different auspicious substances. Um, so that's all part of the consecration of a king. Uh, let's see now. Um, yes, um, Prabhu has mentioned also the Chakrabja Mandala uh, Diksha. This, there's all kinds of very elaborate practices done in the Sri Sampradaya, and this is because uh, they very much follow Pancharatra uh, texts, such as the Padma Samhita the Jayakya, the Ishvara Samhita, and so on. Whereas in the Gaudiya tradition, um, we don't see a great concern for these details. 
that are found in uh, the Sri Sampradaya, which is not to say that they should therefore not be done. I would say, um, I would say otherwise. I would say, well, uh, this is Pancharatra, and with proper Pancharatra guidance, um, if it is for, if there would be reason, or when there is reason. Uh, justification to do elaborate, uh, um, detailed ritual, then, then it is Pancharatra that we should follow. Okay, here's a question from Adi Bhagavan Prabhu. Um, could you please elaborate difference between offering to deities and laminations of Lord's deity. What is the understanding? Is it the same or is it different? <laughs> That's interesting because we're uh, referring here to what we could say is a latter-day development uh, due to technology, the fact that you can uh, make now an or you can take a photograph uh, and and make, uh, what is the term? There's another term for this, a, a kind of semi-three-dimensional uh, image. Um, and so there may be a sense that, well, this is, for me, this is, uh, this is my worshipable uh, murti. Uh, I am I'm worshiping the Lord in this form only, and here I think the uh, point does have to be brought out that Shraddha is the key. It is certainly possible, not just in a lamination, but in a regular picture. Indeed, in a very simple, even a crude image, even an image of Krishna that's been um, drawn by a child it is possible to have full faith that the Lord is fully present uh, and uh, is able that one can reciprocate with that form. It is possible. Uh, there is a description, I forget if it was by um, Shruta Kirti Prabhu or another of Srila Prabhupada's personal servants, that uh, one time traveling with Srila Prabhupada on a flight, Srila Prabhupada put in front of himself a picture which had been given to him of Krishna, or maybe it was Radha Krishna, uh, by one of the children of uh, one of Prabhupada's disciples. It was a very crude uh, drawing, or maybe with crayon, a uh, picture of Radha and Krishna, but Srila Prabhupada had in front of him, on the tray in front of him, and Prabhupada was chanting uh, with full absorption, chanting Mahamantra. Uh, and uh, another example, another devotee asked, uh, this was not on a flight, uh, a devotee asked Srila Prabhupada, um, how to understand that Krishna is 
uh, to understand what is it, what is actually the form of Krishna, because we see so many different representations of Krishna. Some of them, um, the hue of Krishna's you know, body, his, his murti is a lighter color, or indeed deities with white marble, or uh, sometimes darker color, or we see in this particular style, or a very different kind of style uh, of painting. And there are traditional styles in India which are very different from each other. Um, how to understand Krishna is present uh, or... Uh, how do we understand how Krishna looks? And as I remember the, disc, the account of Prabhupada's hearing the question and responding, he pointed to different pictures of Krishna in the room in which they were at that time. Very different pictures of Krishna. And Prabhupada said, Krishna is there. He is, he is in all of these pictures. What is the problem? What is the difficulty? <laughs> Krishna is there. So, uh, a short answer to your question, I think the, the point is it's about faith of uh, acknowledge or of uh, being able to being able to see Krishna, of course, ultimately being able to see Krishna everywhere, uh, but particularly seeing Krishna in the deity form. And it's also legitimate, we can say, to feel a particular uh, faith in a particular form of the Lord. Therefore, devotees, you know, um, they spend their lives at, uh, at one temple or another. They, they prefer Krishna in a particular temple or a particular form. Uh, that is also... That is not wrong huh, to, to have that sense. That is something like the sense of mamata, where materially speaking, mamata, the sense of uh, ownership, is something we want to shed, we want to uh, overcome. But it can be transformed into a sense of mamata. Krishna is mine. Krishna belongs to me. That mamata is uh, very much desirable. I hope that uh, gave a bit of response to that question. Uh, we're already... Uh, I don't know what your time is here. Here it's... Uh, a quarter before the hour. I guess it's quarter after the hour for you. Uh, and I would have more to discuss, uh, so, so many things, but I'm wondering um, what I should do now. What is the suggestion? Maybe Shivananda Sham Prabhu, you can advise us. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I can continue for a few more minutes. I think that was the last um question I got on the chat. Okay. Well, let me just uh, say briefly that I find it helpful to think about 
our deity worship in terms of the three categories, Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojana. Uh, Sambandha meaning relationship, Abhideya meaning practice, and Prayojana meaning uh, the aim or the goal or the necessity. <clears throat> and I just want to give uh, two sort of comments within each of these two, uh, uh, within each of these three categories. And the first uh, regarding Sambandha is I, I have to be a little bit autobiographical here. Um, when I first joined the devotees in Germany, uh, it was at what we call a preaching center. It was uh, an apartment, a rented apartment in southwest of Germany in Stuttgart. Uh, very, I have fond memories of those days. We had a simple altar with pictures, Panchatattva and Guru Parampara, Nrsingadev, and maybe we had a, a photograph of Radha Krishna. I don't remember now. Um, I was there for about two weeks, and then the news came that Srila Prabhupada is coming to Paris in France. We were all totally excited, of course, and we were advised there were maybe uh, six of us or so, uh, we were advised to please, before, rather than going directly to Paris to meet Prabhupada, we should all first come to Hamburg, uh, is a city in northern Germany, where at that time the main so-called temple uh, of Germany was present. I say so-called because it was a converted part of a warehouse. But it was a temple because uh, they had a, a nicely de decorated temple room and they had installed deities. They had small Radha Krishna deities, um, small meaning something like this size, those deities are now in um, southwestern Germany in a, a Goloka Dam, it's called, uh, in Abenteuer. And they also had even smaller Jagannath deities, uh, Jagannath Subhadra Baladev, who are now being worshipped nicely as uh, the Utsav Murtis in the Zurich Temple. <laughs> so we all went to Hamburg, and this was my first time coming into a temple where there were deities. And I just want to say that when I saw the temple, when, uh, when I saw the altar, when I saw the deities, and when I saw the extreme intensity of concentration with which uh, the devotees who were doing the, the archana were engaged, I was completely struck with awe. And I completely understood, or I, as far as I could understand as a complete 
newbie, as a new person uh, of the Wild West, I had this, let's put it this way, I had this sense that, oh, this is Krishna. Krishna is present. Even in these small forms, which I understood are uh, metal and they are uh, jagannath or wood, but I, I had a sense for the first time, this, okay, this is Krishna, because I saw with what, uh, with what dedication and focus and seriousness the devotees were doing the worship. Uh, the very short time I was there in Hamburg, uh, before we all left for Paris to meet Srila Prabhupada, uh, I sort of, I can't remember why, I probably shouldn't have done it, but I poked my head into the kitchen and I saw the devotees there were cooking and I can only say the mood in the kitchen was so serious like it was an, um, a surgical operation going on in a hospital. <laughs> I had the feeling they were in that in a similar mood. Um, they were, in fact, just preparing the plate or plate uh, to bring uh, to the altar. And then when I saw the pujari, uh, who at that time was a brahmachari, is now His Holiness Smita Krishna Swami Maharaj from Sweden, uh, how he was doing the offering and then the arti, I thought, this is, this is, uh, this is bhakti yoga. This is serious. I, I want to, I want to do this. <laughs> so um, the point being that we understand that the Lord is present in his deity form. And I very much like uh, an expression from his holiness, Shivaram Swami Maharaj, who is, uh, he is, this is, uh, deity worship is a major part of his devotional life. If you ever get a chance, go to Nuvrajadam in Hungary and see how the deity worship goes on there. Uh, it's really amazing. So his mood is that the Lord uh, has appeared in his deity form. He has kindly come in this form that appears to be completely non-moving, is frozen in place. He appears in this form so that we can serve him. He's only playing. This is his leela. He is uh, appearing as stone or as wood or as metal, just so that we can interact with him. And then, I've already mentioned this, but from the Sri Vaishnava uh, tradition, we have, uh, well, from Pancharatra, but then elaborated in the Sri Vaishnava tradition, specifically by Pilai Lokacharya uh, in the 13th century, where he compares para, vyuha, vibhava, antaryami, and archa to different types of bodies of water, each of which is 
from the least accessible to the most accessible, uh, with Archa being, I've, I don't remember now, if he, I think he says it is like a vast uh, ocean which is right there accessible for us. Um, I'm watching the time now. Abhideya. I've already spoken on this point. Uh, we want to cultivate the spirit of service, which is seva, not puja. So when we talk about procedures, when we talk about standards, all of these uh, concerns that certainly do come up and which we uh, uh, pursue to, to sustain and to keep nicely, the two essential standards that Srila Prabhupada always emphasized, cleanliness and punctuality. <laughs> he so much emphasized this. Um, uh, we want to also remember the distinction that Srila Rupa Goswami makes between principles and details. And this is a huge topic uh, because it's not so easy always to see what is the difference, what is a principle, and what is a detail. Uh, if we change a detail for whatever reason, are we threatening the principle? And just to define what is the principle behind the detail can be, can be a challenge, and it can be shifting on different levels. Um, along with this comes a principle of substitution, which goes way back into Vedic tradition uh, of yajna, where there are ritual processes of substituting things which are um, not accessible otherwise. It becomes integrated into the process. The Hari Bhakti Lhasa gives us a very specific list of 64 items uh, to be offered to the Lord. Srila Prabhupada explains that uh, at least on the first day of installation, um, one should aim to offer all 64 items. But what, and then on continuing days, one goes to a, a more manageable standard. What I want to say is that it's very nice to study what are all these 64 items and then to think about how one may integrate some of these into one's manasika puja, one manasika seva. Um, and manasa, or manasika seva, is actually a preliminary process, but it's also an integral process or integral aspect of the worship. And here is where I want to suggest to think about um, narratives that are relevant to what one is doing in a particular procedure an example, an easy example, being to remember the whole the whole story of Sudama Brahmana 
offering with great shyness and embarrassment this <laughs> chipped rice to Krishna. As we offer our, um, our food offerings to the Lord, we can remember that offering. And by remembering that, remember the mood in which we want to offer. Uh, moving on to Prayojana. The aspiration is to serve Radha, Krishna directly, we may say. And here we get an idea from Srila Narottam Das Thakur in one of his songs, song number 32 in Prartana, which I've also quoted in my book, uh, the translation, in a secluded place at the best of hills, Govardhan, Radha and Krishna relax, reclining on a couch. I will accompany Lalita and Vishaka to jubilantly serve their reddish feet. I will prepare camphor-scented tambula in a round golden case and place the betel in their lotus-like mouths, bringing bejeweled, tinkling ankle bells, I will put them on their feet. Notice everything is in future tense. I will do these things. He's anticipating. And he goes on like that. I won't uh, read the rest of it, but he goes on with these details of how he's going to serve them personally. And we have this also in a, um, an example that Srila Prabhupada gives, which is in uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, of the, the Brahman who meditates on worshiping the Lord. In his meditation, what does he do? He cooks uh, kheer, and in his meditation, he wants to make sure that it's not too hot uh, to offer to Krishna, and in his meditation, he touches uh, the kheer with his finger, and in his meditation, and also in reality, he finds that his finger has, be has been burned. So in other words, the, the reality imagination becomes... Uh, become, the boundary between the two becomes uh, obliterated. Prabhupada said in one lecture, he says, um, I can't quote exactly, but he says, you can imagine a diamond throne in your heart on which Radha and Krishna are, are situated. He says, you can imagine, and then he kind of corrects himself. He says, it is not imagination. <laughs> it is not imagination. It's imagination. No, it is not imagination. <laughs> it is real. So in this way, through the practice, through the Sambandha, the Abhideya, we come to Prayojana. We want to not forget the Prayojana as we go about the routines that uh, we do in uh, the practice of archana. Those of you who are regular pujaris, you know, you're thinking, okay, I have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to do this, 
and I have to be done by such and such time. Yes, but let's not forget what is the goal. Uh, so I think I should end there and say thank you so much for this opportunity. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. As you mentioned, Prabhu Goswami Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu says that Association of devotees, chanting the holy name, worshipping deities, and reading Srimad Bhagavatam, reading and dham. Mm. One aspect is uh, worshipping deities. This is also most importantly in our Satana Bhakti. Uh, we elaborated very nicely and extensively. <laughs> it's very, very useful for our Satana Bhakti. And all this you know, knowledge you have given to us we can apply and we can understand. You spoke about deity worship in Bhagavad Gita, deity worship in Bhagavatam, deity worship in Chaitanya Sritamara. After that, uh, uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas, Pancharatra, <laughs> and uh, how other sampradaya also they worship. And uh, you answered uh, all of the devotees' questions very elaborately. We are very, very grateful to you. You are speaking all your research experience and uh, your own lifelong experience you are talking. It's all very, very valuable inputs you are giving. And uh, we should take advantage of this association. We very, really thank you <laughs> from the bottom of heart. I thank all the participants. Mm. I thank all the participants also for continuously yesterday and today they were participating and uh, they are hearing from Maharaj. And request all the participants uh, you can send us your official name. You can make a certificate on your names. If you want to have it in an initiated name, you can send me in WhatsApp. Uh, you don't need to call me. You just text me. That is enough for me. I will make a certificate. And you mention your email address also. I will post the certificate in your email address. Um, we are really very thankful to Maharaj. I am grateful for this opportunity myself. <laughs> and uh, yes, we, we only scratched the surface of the topic, but what to do? <laughs> but thank, thank you for this opportunity. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Ananta Koti Vaishnavinda Ki Jai Gaur Prem Anande Hare Krishna